Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome once again to Restore 10. It's amazing as we continue to look at each one of these commandments, it is clear that what God is seeking to do is restore within us the very principles and the, the attribute of love. See, when he created Adam and Eve, there was no flaw. They were perfect. They were in perfect in, har in harmony with him. They were in harmony with all the creatures around him. They had no separation between them and God. They, they honored God in all that they did, all that they thought about until the fall came. And so what we're discovering in each one of these commandments, what God wants to do is restore within us what was there to begin with. Because sin has separated us and the enemy has taken us captive by, us, by, him, by himself at our own will at times. And so the first commandment, yes, faithfulness. Who does not want faithfulness in a relationship? Each and every one of us. God is seeking to restore faithfulness in us. But we have to be willing to give him our heart, our attention, our affections, our time. Holiness. Yes, friends, holiness. Who doesn't want holiness in a relationship? Who doesn't want the, as God declared his name to Moses, who doesn't want grace and truth and kindness and compassion in a relationship? We all do. Integrity. We looked at integrity yesterday. I did forget a couple points. I, I was running out of time. But integrity God wants to restore in our life. Honesty, respect. He wants us to be helpful and kind and considerate of others. Not to be a respecter of any person because of their race or where they've come from or, or rather they're poor or rich or what they look like. Jesus, he honored all people in giving himself to all mankind. Moral uprightness. He demonstrated that to us, and that's something else he wants to restore in our heart. Integrity. And so today, we're going to look at another commandment. But before we do, I want to read this quote once again. It's a constant reminder to us that it's for us and not against us. As I shared in the first seminar, that when I've taken surveys, People and even our youth will often write that the law is, and they look at it in a negative way. It's restrictive. It's overbearing. It's, it's just a bunch of rules. But God says, no, it's more than that. He says, there's not a commandment. This is by Ellen White, Mountain of Bless uh, Thoughts on Mountain of Blessings, page 52. There is not a commandment of the law that is not for the good and happiness of man, both in this life and the life to come. In obedience to God's law, man is surrounded as with a hedge and kept from the evil. And he who breaks down the divinely erected barrier at one point has destroyed his power to protect him. For he has opened a way by which the enemy can enter to waste and to ruin. Every relationship has boundaries. If it's going to be healthy, happy, and safe. And that's all God is doing here. He's given us a set of boundaries to protect us. And within in that law, he would not only have us understand what he would have us do, but he would have us understand who he is to us. And we can conclude that all that he would ask of you and me, he himself has to be. And so I'd invite you to kneel down with me and pray, and let us ask the Holy Spirit to lead us once again nearer to the heart of God.
Gracious, loving Father, we bow before you humbly in the name of Jesus. Lord, this is a huge topic. We could spend days talking about this one point. But in this little bit of time we have, Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us. Anoint my mind. Speak, Lord. And, uh, Father, touch the hearts of the listeners. Help us understand what you'd have us behold out of this, this commandment and how you would have it written in our heart today through the example your son Jesus Christ has given to us. And so, Father, glorify your name and may Jesus be lifted up. Open our eyes once again that we may behold wonderful things out of thy law. In Jesus' name I ask, and I thank you, Father, for hearing me. Amen. I'd invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus talked about two types of builders, a wise builder and a foolish builder. And he notes that the wise builder is doing something very specific. Starting with verse 24. Therefore, so whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Okay, so he's hearing and he's doing, right? He's not just hearing and going on his way, but he's hearing and doing. I will liken unto him a wise man which builds his house where? On the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. Then he goes on to say, And everyone that hears these sayings of mine, and does them not. So the foolish man, he's hearing, just like the wise man. But the distinction comes between the wise and the fool, because one of them acts and builds wisely on a foundation, and the other one hears and does nothing and goes to build on their own foundation. Shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus is the cornerstone. He referred to himself as the cornerstone. And this fourth commandment is, in essence, the cornerstone to the ten. It gives the name of God, his title, and his territory. It sets the, the, the foundation for who has the authority to claim and, and, and have everybody observe the other nine. I mean, let's think about it. Morally, somebody over in India that worships a different gods or in some of these other countries, like Buddha and that worship the, the Buddhists and worship these gods, they could claim you shouldn't steal, right? They could claim, you know, don't take another woman and, and, and commit adultery, be pure. They could say, hey, don't worship another God. We're the God. Don't worship another God. Right? They could all claim the same nine. But on whose authority? See, God has the right to claim our allegiance to the whole ten. Because he's our creator. 
He's our God, and we are His creation. So He calls us to remember the Sabbath day because He wants to restore in us the very character and nature of Himself. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Lord, Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do, not do any work, nor thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, or thy manservant, or thy maidservant, or thy cattle, or thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and all that in them is. And rest at the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, I find it pretty amazing today that there's a lot of talk about the importance of family. You hear that? All over the world, there's talk about the importance of families having time to rest and come together. Well, I find that kind of interesting because God talked about that thousands of years ago. He already set a day aside. He says, this is the day for family. He made it very clear that he has, he, he's way ahead of everybody else. And I love this commandment because it, it tells us how thoughtful, caring, and intentional God is. Family. You, nor your son, nor your daughter. And that includes those men out there that think, well, it doesn't say anything about my wife. That includes the ladies too. And so God would have us at a, as a family come aside and spend time together sacred hour, hours together on the Sabbath day. So that means when you come to church, you come to church as a family. You, your family, somebody in your family doesn't go to one church and you go to another church. God calls us to come together as a family. And I see this happening often. God is calling us to come together and be here for the whole day not just part of the day. And when Sabbath school is over, it's not about mom and dad being in the sanctuary together and the kids are running around the church. No, God would have us sit here together as a family and hear the living word of God. He's interested in us coming together, binding, being bound together by the sacred truths that are spoken to us on this day. Now think about this. If Jesus was going to be in the pulpit this Sabbath, would you want your kids in the sanctuary to hear what he has to say? Yes or no? Of course you would. If they weren't in the sanctuary, would you be looking for them to make sure that they were in the sanctuary to hear what Jesus had to say? You absolutely would. Because it's important. God has something to give us every Sabbath as a family. And as we take those sacred hours and we spend time with them after church, out in nature, ministering to others, he's speaking to us throughout the day. He's continuously wanting to give us revelations of himself and bring us peace, hope, and rest. He would direct his mind and his thoughts towards those people that would work for us. If you have a business, God says, let those people rest. Because he cares about them. And it breaks my heart often, and I've heard at different times, that a business owner, they may come to church, but they don't shut down their business. 
Or they just hang out at home and their business is still going. Their employees are still working. God wants everybody to have the opportunity to rest. He doesn't want anybody to be overburdened. So if you own a business and you, you know of the seventh-day Sabbath, if you're aware of this, and you don't let your employees rest, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're not really keeping it. You're transgressing God's law. He cares for them, and he wants them to have the opportunity to know him. You know, if you honor this commandment and let your employees off work, sooner or later they're going to come and ask you, why are you keeping the seventh-day Sabbath? Why do, you give it a, why do we get this day off every week? There was a businessman over in Guam when he first came into the knowledge of the truth that we teach from the Bible, the Seventh-day Adventist. He had a very profitable business, profitable business on the Sabbath day. It was a resort. And he did not understand how he could close down every Sabbath as one of his most busiest days. And it, he, he, he felt responsible for the families that worked for him because they made a lot of money on that day. That's how they supported their families. He didn't know what to do. And he met with a friend of mine, a professor that I studied under, and the pastor encouraged him. He said, look, what's more important, your business or your salvation? He thought to himself, you know, it's my salvation. He said, well, I'll tell you what, trust God, give it to him, and let him take care of the families because he cares about them too. So he did. He made different arrangements. He worked some things out, and he told his employees that he was going to pay him for that day. He didn't know how it was going to work out, but they were going to get that day off. And what had happened, God blessed him, not only helped him pay the debt off that he owed on his business in the next two years, but every one of those employees were touched by the Spirit of God and by his faithfulness. Many of them had come into the faith now because of what he stood for. And several years ago, I had the privilege of meeting the man and studying with some of those employees and getting to know them. And I would hear them tell me how it impacted their life when they saw the business owner take and shut down the business and yet still care for them, knowing that they needed that money. They, he still cared for them, and they gave their lives to Christ. Yes, God would have us have our employees rest and relax and have the opportunity to know him. And, you know, there's a lot of farmers. You know, when God was keeping all of this in mind when he, he created Adam and Eve and he created the world and all the animals, he wanted them to have rest too. What a compassionate God. And then he talks about the stranger that is within your gates. Well, what about those that are in your neighborhood that don't know about this Sabbath day? I have a question for you. How do you give them the opportunity to rest? How do you do that? How did Jesus offer rest to people that did not know about the Sabbath day? Not everybody he came in contact with was a Jew. Think about the Canaanite woman, right? Think about the Roman centurion. He still ministered to them. He made himself known and his Father's name known unto them, that he was a loving, caring God. He offered them rest. You know, this word rest is very interesting. I'm going to talk about it more here in a minute. 
But I want to work, I want to look at a couple key words in this commandment. The first one is remember. Remember what? To keep? No, he's saying remember when it was established. Why? Because it tells us something about God. It tells us that he's the one that has the authority to speak and it is done. And because he's the creator, he takes personal responsibility for his creation. And so we can be encouraged when we think about this. The Bible tells us in, I believe it is Jeremiah 32, 27, it says, uh, Behold, the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? Behold, the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? So he wants to bring our mind back to creation so we, we would understand that he has the power, ability, and desire to recreate within us and restore us his likeness and image so that we can be free from self, sin, and Satan. So remember that God is able. Keep. Now this is an interesting word. I don't have the uh, breakdown on the screen, but I did put it on my paper here. Keep. It comes from a word in the Hebrew, shamar. I may not have said that right. And it references three words. One is to keep, one is to guard, and the other word is observe. So Adam was told he was to keep the garden. So not only was he instructed to be in charge of beautifying it and caring for it, but he was instructed to be watchful because there was an enemy lurking about. So keep, guard, and observe. Observe. Let's celebrate. The Sabbath is about celebration. It's about rejuvenation. It's about rejoicing in the Lord, looking back at what He has done, reflecting on the, the past week or over the past month, and sharing the power and beauty of God in our lives. He wants us to observe and celebrate. It's holy. In other words, it's sacred. It's separate from any other day of the week. It's distinct and stands alone. And He would have us enter into it as such a day as that, distinct and stands alone. It belongs to God. Remember, it's His day. Now look, my friends, you and I cannot keep something holy no more than we can make something holy. Keep that in mind. So is God asking us to do something that's a total impossibility? Absolutely not. See, when we're connected with Christ, and we're imbued with the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to keep that which is holy because it's the Holy Spirit that's working in our life because He's leading us in the way, the truth, and the life. He's guiding us in the same steps that Jesus would take and rest, mental, emotional, physical rest to de-stress. Now you think about what's happening in our world today. I mean, just think about your last week, okay? How busy were you? How consumed were you just trying to keep up with it, everyday things? Some families, the mom and dad both are working, and they just can't wait for the end of the week. 
I remember when my son, he worked with me every summer. He, he did not understand the importance of the Sabbath. But when we would work 12, 14 hours a day, oh, he was happy we weren't going to work on Sabbath. He was rejoicing. He wasn't so happy that it was time to go to church, but he was happy that he, he knew Dad was not going to work him on Sabbath. And he had a day off, but he did have to come to church. And so Jesus would have us not only emotionally and physically and mentally rest, which many people in our world need today because of the chaos and the, 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 just the busyness and the, being hurried about all day long. You see, God in his wisdom could tell that man would become, become so consumed with, you could say, consumerism and self-pleasure that he would run himself right into the ground day in, day out, and never take a break. And it's known, statistics tell us, medical records and studies have shown us that people that take this day, Seventh-day Adventists were known as, that take this day and rest, we add years to our life. And so it, it does something for us in our whole being. But God would have us understand a little more than just the physical rest in this. Dear, or I mean, Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. You know, we work all week, we're, we're in school all week, we're involved in taking care of different things, running here and there, and I will give you rest. But you know, don't miss out that we're involved in a great controversy day in, day out. The battle waxes strong. The enemy does not give up. He's relentless. He's constantly studying for a way into our lives to destroy us personally, destroy our marriages, destroy our families, and destroy and divide and conquer the church. But Jesus here talks about a particular type of rest, not just a physical and emotional and mental rest. It's talking about resting in him for victory over sin. I looked this word up, and I took a snapshot of it. Rest. It comes from two Greek words, ana and paol, or paos. It says, and, and, it, and it means to leave off or have release from to cease, and then the fourth point here, have gotten released from sin, no longer stirred by its incitements and seductions. How many of you would like that kind of rest? I don't know about you, but I long for that type of rest. But that's what he offers us when he tells us in the book of James, submit to God. One of the reasons why we're doing this series is because we want people to know the character of God because it's clear to me you will not submit to somebody you don't trust and you don't believe has, have your best interest in mind. It just won't happen. Submit to God. Resist the devil. So as we submit to the counsel, the warnings, and allow the promises to have their precious work in our life, we're able to resist the devil 
we're drawing near to God and the devil cannot stand in the God's presence and he has to flee. And so each day as we, we talked about connecting with the Lord in the first commandment and faithfulness, having that daily commitment and connection with him. But come Sabbath, God wants to fit us up with an additional amount of power and rejuvenation to face the foe in the coming week. I can assure you that the messages that God gives to us on Sabbath, the songs that we sing on Sabbath, the scripture reading that's given on Sabbath is given to fortify us and prepare us for the coming conflict. And I've heard people say, well, you know what? I, I come to church, I don't, I don't get nothing out of it. Well, what are you listening for? God, even in the hymnal, maybe the message wasn't clear, but sometimes I will hear a song that just speaks to me on the Sabbath, moves my heart, opens my mind, enlightens me, and brings me closer to God. So come on to me, all you that labor are in a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Rest does not always come or is not always found in inactivity. We find rest from the burdens and cares of life, from the stresses of life, as we take time to minister to somebody else. And so when we come to church, we should come with the thought that, I wonder who I can bless today. Lord, show me who I can come in contact with that I can be a blessing today. Because there's gonna be, there may be some weary soul that comes in the church that's had an extremely difficult battle that week. The enemy has been overcoming and powering and just pushing them down, and they need to hear a word of encouragement. And if we come to church and we're so stuck on getting the blessing and not being a blessing, we miss out on true rest that Jesus would have us experience. The rest that comes when we, we receive peace and joy from seeing somebody else relieved because we have a testimony to share with them, because we have a scripture to share with them, because we have a song that we sang that week to share with them. And they are encouraged and strengthened and brought closer to the Lord. Jesus gave us a beautiful example of Sabbath keeping. And if you wonder, how do I keep the Sabbath? What should I do on the Sabbath? Pick up the Bible and read about how Jesus prepared and entered into the Sabbath. How Jesus himself lived and ministered to people on the Sabbath. You know, do you think that Jesus, coming up to the Sabbath, do you think he was like running around like, his, like a chicken with his head cut off, getting ready for it? No. He started his preparation, I'm sure, the day after Sabbath, the first day of the week. The Jews, it, they would take, and they didn't count Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They would count five days to Sabbath or six days of Sabbath, five days of Sabbath, four, three, 
two, one. It was like they're a countdown. They're getting ready to enter into a wonderful experience with God, a celebration. They were looking at it as in a very positive way because God said, call it a delight. And we'll look at that verse in a minute here. The Bible tells us, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So I'm sure he was very much prepared when the sun went down to enter into that rest with his father. Where was he on the Sabbath day? Was he just laying on the couch at home? Do you think he showed up halfway through the service? Where was he? When did he get there? God is calling his people back to Sabbath keeping and Sabbath observance fully and completely. He's asking us to set aside all of our business and all of the, all the distractions, get some rest Friday night, be prepared, get in bed, get some rest, he'll bless you. Wake up in the morning and don't just show up after the offering's been taken up. Be here for Sabbath school. I mean, what are you telling God? What, what kind of message does it give when you, to God when you don't even show up for Sabbath school? You know, and somebody's saying, well, I don't get nothing out of Sabbath school. Well, what do you put in it? What are you bringing? What are you teaching your children when you don't come to Sabbath school class? You know what you're teaching them? You're teaching them it's no big deal. It's not that important. It's Sabbath's not that important. That's what the example we, that's what we teach our children by living a life like that. So let's be here for Sabbath school class. Let's see what we can get and put in it when we come to it. Let's be a blessing to somebody. Let's be prepared. He was on time, friends. I can assure you. He was about reading the Word. He was about sharing with others. And you know what? He didn't just sit there and read, but he, he would go out and he would mingle among the people. And so Sabbath is a time for us to gain some rest, come in family, with our whole family to church, come to Sabbath school, enjoy the service, reap what we can from the message, from the testimonies, from, from the mission stories, from the hymnals, from the scripture reading, hide it in our heart so we're prepared for the next week go out yes have something to eat enjoy yourself i don't think it i you know i don't think there's anything wrong with just taking a break and maybe resting a little bit taking a nap you say oh pastor did you hear what pastor said he said you could take a nap you know what god understands where we can be quite exhausted but don't sleep off the Sabbath day. There's nothing wrong with being refreshed. But then spend some time out in nature. See what else you can gain from studying nature about God's character and His loveliness. Go around, meet your neighbors. Here's how you can minister to this stranger that's within your gate. Jesus mingled with the people you will not read in Scripture that he sat in the synagogue all day long or that he just went and hung out at somebody's house. You'll find him out among the people because he wanted to bring them rest. He wanted to bring them hope. 
He wanted to bring them encouragement. He wanted to bring them the word of life. He wanted to set them free. So how can we take and bring rest to those, the stranger that's within our neighborhood? Go knock on their door. Ask them how they're doing. Pray with them. Share something with them. Share a testimony with them. Don't just take them a book and expect them to read it. Let them know you care about them and that you're concerned. Build a relationship with them. Then they'll be more open to receive something from you. When I first came into the church, when I first found out about the Sabbath, I was in prison. And I, I knew nothing about denominations or who went to church when or why they went. I'd been studying the Bible. I'd been doing a series of Bible studies that was coming to me in the mail. And as I studied and I learned about the seventh-day Sabbath, I was excited. Wow, God actually has a, a day just for me and him? This was amazing. I was like, where's the people? Surely somebody else is keeping this day. Because I remember when I was a kid, I, I, to, I went to church on Sunday with my grandparents, but that, there was, that's not the day. This is the day. This is the day God has made. I want to rejoice and be glad in it. Where's the rest of the body? And so I started asking inmates around the prison, hey, who goes to church on Saturday, the seventh day Sabbath? I don't know. No, I don't, what is that? I said, it's in the Bible. Come on, who goes to church on Well, go to the chapel and you'll see a list of people that come into church on Saturday. Okay, so I, I ran over to the chapel. I went inside and I looked at the list on the wall. And there was two churches, the Roman Catholic Church, number one, the top one. I'm like, stop, come on. I, you know, my mother was Catholic, my grandmother was Catholic, I was baptized Catholic. There's a lot of lovely Catholics, and I have nothing against Catholic people. But the, the teaching, the, some of the teachings are just not at all biblical. And Sunday that they claim to keep and claim is the Sabbath, I knew that was not God's day. That was not God's holy day. That might be man's day, but that was not God's holy day. And so I read down the list, and I see this group of people called Seventh-day Adventists. Wow. I wonder who they are. So that Saturday, where do you think I was? I was in the chapel on time, ready to hear the Word of God. I was excited. What are they going to share? I don't even know who they are. I don't even know if they're completely Bible-believing Christians yet. I don't know these people. But they kept the seventh-day Sabbath, and that was important to me. So I went in and I sat down week after week, and I listened to them. And you know, I'd follow along in the Bible, and I'd read what they're reading, and just, wow, man, they believe the same thing I do. I was amazed. And come to find out, I was, I was studying material that was leading me right down the pathway to Christ, the very teachings himself, and I would come in contact with a church God had raised up called the Seventh-day Adventist to take the three angels' message to the world. And in that message was a call to worship, a call to come back and honor the Seventh-day Sabbath and recognize him as our creator and our God to restore allegiance in the heart of man for his maker. 
And I was rejoicing in that, friends. And then I would come out of prison and I would find myself looking for a church again, the nearest Seventh-day Adventist church, and I would discover one about two miles from where I was at, maybe three miles. And I started attending church there. I was so happy. I was rejoicing the Sabbath day. I loved it when we came together for communion, the first communion. Oh, that was my first time doing it. That was amazing, the foot washing, the, the, the sacredness of it, the meaning behind it was beautiful. I remember after I had gone a couple of times, I was living in a homeless shelter, so, you know, I would, I'd go to church and I'd come back. And then uh, sometimes there would be a fellowship meal there and they'd invite me to eat. And there was one day there was no fellowship meal. And I was just going to head back over to the homeless shelter where I lived. And this, uh, there's some people in the church, a couple of their families were getting together and saying, hey, why don't you come on over? Come on, you can go eat with us. Oh, well, that was so nice of them. You know, they invite me to their house to eat. So I get in the car, and we're driving, and, and we pull into an uh, all-you-can-eat buffet restaurant. I'm thinking to myself, do you live here? And, and we go in, and we sit down, and I guess in their mind, they thought, well, it, it's self-serving, you know, so you're not making anybody serve you. And we sit down, and we eat. Now, I'm a babe in Christ. And, and I'm thinking, did I miss something in the Scriptures? Did I miss something in my study? You know, I didn't feel quite right, but, you know, this, these people have been in the church their whole life. I've been hearing their testimony. And two of them actually held a leadership position. And so I thought, maybe they know something I don't know. And so I, I ate with them. And next Sabbath came up, and, and they invited me to go with them again. And I thought, well, okay, maybe they're going to go to their house this time. No, they went right back to that restaurant again. And I'm thinking, this, this can't be right. And so I went home and I studied it out. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, look, there's no way this can be right. Because somebody's making that food for me and serving me up. And the next time I was asked, I said, no, thank you. I'd rather not. I want to honor the Lord. See, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And it is when we enter into that Sabbath rest and we, and we keep it and fully honor God, he extremely blesses us abundantly above beyond what we could think or ask. Turn with me to Isaiah 58. <clears throat> Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. I was doing this study with a group of youth, and as I read this verse to them, a young lady said to me she never realized that she was supposed to call the Sabbath a delight. That was a game changer for her. She said, I, I'm never going to look at the Sabbath like it's a burden, because God says it's a delight. It changed the whole way she looked at the Sabbath day. And it tells us here, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thy own ways, nor finding thy own pleasure, nor speaking thy own words. Look at this promise. Then, it's like it's, he's saying, do this. When you apply this counsel, 
this is what you can expect. Then shall you delight thyself in the Lord. So, if we call the Sabbath a delight and honor what he's asking us to do here, we will delight ourselves in the Lord. You know, when we look at the Sabbath and, and, and we look at it as if, oh, man, yeah, man, that's like, I got to take a day off? Man, how would you feel if you're involved in a relationship, say you and your spouse, you, you plan a special time together. It's going to be a whole evening. You got like the whole, you cleared out your schedule for the whole evening. You got four or five hours. You're going to go out to dinner. You're going to go for a walk. You're just going to sit and hold hands. You're going to have a special time together. And, and you, you, you prepare for it all week long. You're anxious. You're waiting for it. And you guys go out, and you find your spouse scrolling through Facebook through dinner, scrolling through Facebook, Twittering somebody, looking at their watch as if they couldn't wait for it to be over. How does that make you feel? How do you feel in that relationship right now? Don't you feel rejected? Don't you feel like you're, you're, very not, you're not important at all? It's heartbreaking. Friends, can you imagine the heartache that God experiences day in and day out with His people that claim to be Sabbath keepers, that claim to keep all the commandments of God, but show up at church and spend more time Facebooking people, wondering what the latest sports statistics were, catching up on work projects as they talk about things and plan for the following week. Can you imagine the heartbreak of God? You know, it's disturbing when you're walking through the church and you hear somebody talking about a building project that they're working on or how to change the oil in their car on Sabbath. Not speaking thy own words. We're supposed to call it a delight. Holy. Do we act as if it's an encroachment upon our time? Like God's getting in our space. If we're not looking at it as a delight, we need to get on our knees and start praying to God, Lord, change my heart. For this is a holy day. We sing the song, Welcome, welcome, ever welcome, holy Sabbath day. Sacred pleasure, sacred rest. I want to encourage you, sit down and write down, and, and be honest with yourself, write down what you do on the Sabbath. Write down the things you talk about, and write down your activities, and go back and look at the life of Christ, and see if it harmonizes. See if you're honoring God. Does he truly have your full allegiance? Because that's what the Sabbath is all about. Does he have your full allegiance? Does he have your full heart? When you read Isaiah 58, it talks about breaking the bands of wickedness. It's about letting the oppressed go free, undoing heavy burdens, breaking every yoke, bringing the bread of life to people. This is what Jesus did on the Sabbath. You see, Satan has come 
to bind you and take you captive. 2 Peter 2.19 tells us, Oh yes, they promised them liberty, but they themselves are the servants of corruption. For who a man is overcome by, the same as he brought into bondage too. Yes, the things of the world, they, they seem to set you free, but they just continue to bind you down with heavy burdens and overcome you to crush you out with anxiety and care. But God says, look, I want to set you free. And it is the truth that sets us free. It's called the royal law of what? What does it say James 2.12? The royal law of liberty. Satan would promise you liberty through distractions while God is seeking to give you the word of life throughout the Sabbath day because he wants you to be bound to him and he wants you to go where he's going. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.17 that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Friends, remember, Jesus came to set us free. He came to restore within your heart and mind allegiance and faithfulness and commitment to God. And it's only as we honor Him in keeping the day as He has instructed, gathering our family together, Respecting our neighbors, our strangers are in our community, bringing them the bread of life, getting rest, being refreshed, being rejuvenated, connecting with brothers and sisters in Christ. As I'm speaking here today, if you're reflecting on how you're keeping the Sabbath and you realize, man, he's right, that's what I'm doing. I'm so distracted, I can't even pay attention to what the pastor's saying. You see, that's the enemy's ultimate goal. It's to keep us distracted constantly so that our focus can never be to connect with the heart and law and love of God. Christ's Object Lessons tells us this. Arise and go to your Father. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. He says, I'm going to give you rest. He will meet you a great way off if you take even one step toward Him in repentance. And I believe God's people have a lot of heart searching to do and some repentance to take place. Now I can tell you that I have not always, as I was learning and growing in the faith, understood what it meant that the Sabbath was to be a delight. And I've repented of that. And I'm thankful for Sabbath school class. I'm thankful for the mission spotlight and mission time during this break in the Sabbath school. I'm thankful for the living word that's preached in the church every Sabbath. I'm thankful for an afternoon I can take a little rest and refresh, be relaxed with my family, and go out and meet our neighbors and spend time getting to know other people, new people that show up at the church. I'm thankful for that. And friends, if that's not been your, your, your life, if that's not how you've been living, then just get on your knees. Go to your Father. Tell Him, Lord, the enemy's had me. He's got me. I can't even pay attention at church. I don't even show up on time. 
I'm, I'm leading my children right down the path of destruction with the example I'm setting them. It says, go to your father. If you take even one step toward him in repentance, he will hasten to enfold you in his arms of infinite love. Amazing picture of God. Pastor Steve Conway talked about that last night. As much as, and, and as dysfunctional and broken as we are, and as often as we rebel and we do our own thing, self-willed, stubborn, stuck on self, when the Spirit of God puts his finger on it, if we would repent and turn to God, he hastens. This is a beautiful picture of a loving Father. He hastens to enfold you in his arms of infinite love. His ear is open to the cry of the contrite soul. As we humble ourselves, he stretches forth his hand to heal. The very first reaching out of the heart after God is known to him. Never a prayer is offered, however faltering. Never a tear shed, however secret. Never a sincere desire after God is cherished. And if you don't have a sincere heart and to, to cherish and love the Lord, get on your knees, friends, and pray, Lord, change me. Transform my life. And get in His Word and discover how beautiful He is. He will rapture your soul in His hand and He'll make you one with Him, friends. However feeble it may be, the Spirit of God goes forth to meet it. Even before the prayer is uttered or the yearning of the heart is made known, grace from Christ goes forth to meet the grace that is working in the human soul. This is amazing. So if you're listening to me today, rather live, or you, you, you watch it on a recording later, and the Spirit of God touches your heart, He's coming to redeem. He's coming to restore. He's coming to heal. He's coming to cleanse and make you whole. There are they that keep the commandments of God. Not one, not two, not four, but all ten. Especially the cornerstone of them all. The seventh day Sabbath. Friends, do you want allegiance sown in your heart? Do you want God to put in you a love and a cherishing after Him that nothing else matters? That you'll prepare, that you'll start preparing on Sunday, maybe Monday or Tuesday, but when it comes time Friday, you're ready. Before that sun goes down, you're sitting down with your family. You're gathering your family around. You're giving testimony and sharing about the power of God. I would encourage you, have your children tell you something they learned about God that week. Have them testify to the beauty of His character. Sing some songs and open the Bible and, and read a story and talk about it. Get some rest. Get up in the morning. Yes, you might have a hard time moving those four or five kids along that you might have, or maybe it's one or two that's just really hard to move. But be a living example for them. Because I can tell you what, friends, if you just decide to sleep in and be very casual about your Sabbath presence on church, at church, you're, you're giving your children the example that it's not that big of a deal, that God really doesn't matter. But you gather them together, you bring them here, you take them to Sabbath school class, you go to Sabbath school class, be studied up for it, 
and enter into that time to engage with your Creator, your Maker, and your King. Come into the church sanctuary. Bring your family. I love it when I see a whole family come in with all their kids. If your kids are out running around, go and get them. Have them start forming a new habit of being here in the sanctuary listening to the living Word of God. And friends, God will bless you. If that's your desire, I invite you to bow your head with me. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for the Sabbath day. We thank you for being so thoughtful, considerate, and mindful of our needs and creating a day just for you and us. Forgive us, Father, for where we have neglected in our preparation. Forgive us where we have neglected in keeping of it. Forgive us, Lord, where we have been a, 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 just a terrible example for our children. But, Lord, I believe there's people out there that's making a decision right now. Your Spirit has touched their hearts. Forgive, O oh Lord, and cleanse us. Give us the courage Give us the, the, the grace we need to truly enter into a full, committed relationship with you, total allegiance to you. Please pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord. And as we open our heart and we confess our sins, may it be as we read, hasten and enfold us with your arms and cleanse and restore us in your likeness. In Jesus' name I ask, and I thank you, Father, for hearing me. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.